Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So, uh, as we've been approaching this 25th anniversary, I've been doing a lot of reflecting and reminiscing. I pulled out some of my old um, uh, prayer journals that I kept all of those years. I actually have... I found, I'm going to read it to you next week, an entry from just before we started Northgate and what I was thinking at that moment. Um, but as I've been thinking about it and looking back on it, I think one of the key decisions that was made by that group of 12 when we first started was that, and I talked about it last week, this commitment that we were going to be able to, that we were going to commit to pay the way for those who are not yet here. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about that generosity in terms of our finances, but it's not just finances. It's being generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the treasure part of it. Today, I want to talk about the talent and time part of it. Um, and it actually t- comes down to something that Paul wrote about to the Roman church. So if you want to follow along, Romans chapter 12, this is what Paul wrote. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In those three paragraphs, Paul, in essence, sums up what the church is supposed to look like, how the church is meant to function, Um, not just together, all together, but each of us individually finding our part in that. And if you could sum up that whole section in one word, it would be serving. That's really what it's all about. Uh, Or if you want to use a churchy word, ministry. But it's all the same thing. That when God calls us to become one of his and we make that choice to follow him, what happens is everything changes. And and our lives begin to change. and, And he moves us in a new direction. And it's in this direction of serving and it's one of those aspects of living a generous life. And 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 you might ask, well, why would I do that? Why would I bother to do that? Well, today I want to tell you why. I want you to understand what happens when you make that choice to serve. Because there's a couple of different things. Start with this one. When you choose to serve, one of the first things happen is you start expressing God's love and God's mercy to others. That's what happens. That that is that serving is an aspect of love. Paul wrote about it this way. He said, therefore, brothers, I I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy or God's grace or God's love, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, that's a very familiar passage of scripture. A lot of us already know that. You've probably learned it in Sunday school. You've quoted it over and over again. But what I want to point out to you is one word in this whole thing. It's this word right here that he begins with, therefore. So I'm going to give you a little Bible instruction 101. When you're studying scripture, anytime you come to the word therefore, you stop and see what it's there for, okay? I know that's real hard and complicated, but that's really the essence of it because that word is a transitional word. That's actually a transitional sentence. And if you read what Paul wrote about beforehand in in chapter 11, he's written about this incredible gift of grace that God's extended to us and that God's love extended not just to the Jewish people, but to the Gentiles, to all of us. We all get in on this because of God's grace and mercy. So he says, in light of that, in light of what all Christ has done for you from his death and resurrection through the life that he's given you now, in light of all of that, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to urge you to do something. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Turn it all over to him. This, he says, is your true and proper worship. See, we live, we live in a consumer-driven culture. And in a consumer-driven culture like you and I live in, it's all about me. See, lots of choices. I want lots of choices with no commitments. Just think about all the choices you have. Next time you go to the uh, supermarket, just go in the shampoo aisle and see how many choices of shampoo there are available to you. You know, you can just choose whatever one you like. You don't like this one? Just pick the next one. And, 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 And if you go to a restaurant and you don't like the service that you get, you get to be a critic. You can do a Yelp, and you can give them a bad review, because it's all about me. And the trouble is that that culture, that that, uh, consumer-driven culture, drifts into our church involvement as well. Many people treat church like In-N-Out Burger. Drive through, get what I want, drive out. Paul says, not so. Not so. That, That we've been given a different way of living. That God designed this church to be a volunteer movement. That he has called each and every one of us to be a part of that. And instead of looking for what we get out of it, it's what we contribute to it. This is the pattern that Jesus showed us. There was an account in uh, Jesus' life and ministry where uh, James and John, two brothers, came to Jesus and they said, hey, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, we want to be at the top of the list. We want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. We want to be up there at the top. And he said to them these words. He says, whoever wants to be first must be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's not all about me. In fact, when you become a Christ follower, everything changes. It is no longer about you. It is all about him and his kingdom and reaching other people with that. Everything changes. And he didn't just talk about it. He showed us what that looked like when he gave his life on a cross. Jesus said, it is all about love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love your neighbor. And the way that you do that is you serve. It's our motivation, and it's also our aim. Paul writes about it at the end of this passage. He says, love must be sincere. 
Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's how God's kingdom works. And when you start serving, what you're doing is you're expressing God's kingdom, this kingdom of love and mercy and grace. You're extending that to other people. And mature believers, true mature believers, is not about how much information they have about the Bible or about God or all the studies that they've done. True mature believers stop asking what's in it for me or who's going to care about me. And they start looking, how can I care for someone else? What do I need to do to invest in and bring value to somebody else? See, that's what a true, wholehearted Christ follower is all about. It's about serving. When you do that, you're extending his love to other people. The other thing that happens is, and this is kind of crazy and it's kind of hard to understand, but because he says a living sacrifice, which means you give something up, but what you gain in return is far, far greater What happens is you start fulfilling your purpose in this world. You gain a new understanding about your life. This is what Paul wrote. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way that you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know God's will for your life? Start serving. You want to fulfill his purpose for your life? Start serving. That's how it works. You get a new perspective on your life, and when you do that, it changes the way that you approach your life. And you discover that it really is about serving. You will never, ever discover your life purpose. You will never discover a sense of meaning and fulfillment by living all for yourself. You never will. Solomon, who wrote uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, he talked about it. He says, I gave myself everything. I withheld nothing. I just went for everything I could. And um, the end of all of it, he said, it was all vanity, just chasing after the wind. You find fulfillment, and God designed you this way. You find fulfillment in community. Verse 5, it's in Christ, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The message paraphrase puts it this way. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. That God designed his church to be a volunteer organization. And he designed you individually and me individually to find our satisfaction in serving in community. That's where it comes from. That's what Jesus was talking about. Uh, Bill Hybels, who is the founding pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, South Barrington, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Um, It's a church of tens of thousands of people now. But he writes about the very beginnings of this church. And one of his mentors was a a professor named uh, Dr. Belazikian, or Dr. B, which was easier to say. Um, But he talks about how Dr. B invested in his life and ministry and in this group of people that was part of a, a youth ministry, actually. And he did this. He said, he read these words to us from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then he challenges to put these words to a test. For six months, he said, take the great gamble. Follow the model of Jesus with reckless abandon. Take advantage of every opportunity to serve, even if it seems like something insignificant. Be the one who opens the door for others. Choose the backseat of the car so your friend can sit in front. 
Take out the garbage, even though it's not your job. Volunteer to stack chairs after the meeting. Take the arm of an elderly woman negotiating the stairs in the department store. Open your eyes, keep the servant's towel handy, and monitor the condition of your heart from week to week. Then ask yourself, am I gaining or losing? And if you want to, he said, try it the other way. Every chance you have, put yourself at the center. Be demanding. Ask the world to revolve around you. Push your way to the front of the line. Disappear when it's time to do the dirty work and the menial tasks. Bow low every morning in front of a full-length mirror. Then step back and honestly assess, are you becoming closer to God and people or more isolated? Is your life fuller or emptier? Do you feel fulfilled or frustrated? Take the great gamble. Those of us at the core of that little youth ministry called Sun City decided to accept that Dr. B's challenge. And at the end of six months, we had grown from a few students to hundreds. More importantly, our hearts for God and people significantly enlarged. We were all working harder than we'd ever imagined we would, but we were having a ball. We were discovering skills we didn't know we had. We felt energized. We were seeing kids' lives changed. We were deepening our relationship with one another as we served together day after day. Three years later, Sun City had grown to 1,000 students on a simple foundation of faithful service to God and humble service to one another. And a handful of leaders at the core of that youth ministry, who later made up the core of our church, had no seminary degrees, no experience in church planting, no money, no facilities, and no maturity. But we had one gutsy Frenchman challenging us to accept the fundamental paradox of the Christian life, that following Jesus into radical servanthood is the sure pathway to fullness of life. Take the generosity challenge. Take the serving challenge. And see how it changes your heart. That God created you very specifically to fulfill a role in his work in this world. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church this way. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why don't you take that place piece by piece. First of all, we're God's handiworks. In other words, you're not mass-produced. You're not just one of thousands and thousands and millions and millions. You're not just one insignificant little mass-produced thing. You are a work of art. You are God's handiwork, hand-fashioned, created specifically, uniquely. All of us, uniquely. God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for a purpose to do good works to do the work that he prepared for us to do. And he prepared it for us in advance. Before you were even born, God had a job for you to do, and he equipped you and gave you all the gifts and abilities to be able to fulfill that calling. And if you're not doing it, you are missing out on your life's purpose. There is no better thing to do with your one and only life than to find that opportunity of serving him and seeing the difference it makes. Because that's the third thing. When you do that, when you serve, you impact lives for eternity. You change the trajectory of somebody else's life. That God has empowered you to join him in his work. He's given you these spiritual gifts. In fact, Paul outlines them here. He says we all have different gifts. If your gift is to prophesy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. In other words, use your gift. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Use your abilities. And when you do, give it your very 
very best. Because what happens is God takes that and does something supernatural. Now, by the way, this is only a partial list. You can go through the New Testament. There's at least 27 different spiritual gifts, divine empowering to do the work of God. And he says each and every one of us has at least one, probably more than one. Find your gift. Now, we used to have a class called Church 301, and it was a three-session, two, three two-hour sessions, and nobody ever made it all the way through all three sessions. So we decided to shorten it. We made it a four-hour workshop class called Finding Your Fit. We still offer that. And, and that was good. It helped people. But even still, we found people were learning a lot about serving, but not really serving. And so what we decided to do a couple of years ago is something called the ministry fair, which you probably, as you walked in, saw out in the lobby. Things are set up a little bit differently today. This is a chance, because here's what we decided to do. We just gave you an opportunity to test drive a ministry. Just like you test drive a car, you know, just before you buy a house, you go through and check it all out, okay? Check it out. Test drive it. Don't just do it once, you know, make a commitment. Try it two or three times. Give it a chance, just give it a test drive. You're not signing up for the rest of your life. But sign up to do something and give it a test drive. And if you find, you know, this just is not my fit, that's okay. We give you permission to quit. But you got to go test drive something else. Because you're not going to find fulfillment if you're not serving. And when you do and you use those gifts, God does something eternal in other people's lives. You have a hand in what God is doing in somebody else's life. Just show of hands this morning. By a show of hands, how many here in this room came to faith in Christ, either as a young child um, in a Sunday school class or a VBS or something like that, or as a teenager as a part of a youth group? How many came to faith or made a major life decision in terms of your faith in that regard? Yeah, look around. Your lives were changed because of a Sunday school teacher or a youth worker, or a VBS volunteer. Another show of hands. How many wish you had made that decision when you were still in elementary school and teenagers and avoided all the stuff you went through? Yeah. See, we have, we have a guy in our church, a young couple in our church. He first came to Northgate when he was 11 years old, was in our uh, children's department, then was in middle school, and was kind of in and out from time to time, and and eventually grew up, moved away, got married, has kids of his own now, moved back into the area, and when he moved back into the area, they decided, you know, the church we need to go to is a church I grew up in, and they started coming back to Northgate. They had been involved in their church over in Stockton. Now his wife is a director of our children's ministry, and she is changing the trajectory of children's lives. See, that's how it happens. It's just It just keeps going on and on, and it changes generations, generations of lives for eternity. What better thing could you do with these 80, 90 years you might have on this earth? So we're going to give you an opportunity today. We're going to actually close down the service a little bit early, and we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up and test drive. Now, don't just sign up. Show up, okay? Because a lot of people will sign a piece of paper, okay? Sign the paper, but then follow through. Somebody will get in contact with you. They'll give you an opportunity to just kind of shadow in that ministry. Just in our children's ministry alone. Between our children's ministry and our middle school class on the weekends, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 to 250 kids between the ages of birth to 12, 13 years old. Okay? 200 to 250 kids. 
That's a huge chunk of our, of our church. And we have right now about 40 volunteers serving in that area. You know how many we really need ideally to fully staff it every weekend? Somewhere closer to the neighborhood of 75. So our children's ministry is limping along right now. Our student ministry is kind of limping along right now. And as we have grown as a church and expanded ministry, the need for volunteers and helpers is, is greater and greater all the time. So you're missing out on what God created you to do. And the church is suffering because you're not using your gifts. Use your gift and do it to the best of your ability. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, you are not always going to get immediate results. All right? You're going to come. There's going to be some days maybe you're serving in the children's ministry or student ministries. You're going to go home and you go, oh, man, what a day. I don't think I ever want to do this again. But, but what you find is consistency and faithfulness over the years. You begin to see the influence and impact you have on somebody else's life. So Paul went on and he said, so keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. He said, don't give up. Don't stop. There's a guy by the name of uh, Emile Locard. He is one of the pioneers of forensic science, you know, analyzing the crime scene and figuring out the crime and who was uh, responsible for it. And and, um, he developed something called Lacard's Principle. And it goes like this. Everyone passing through a room leaves something behind and takes something with them. And I want to kind of modify that this morning. Everyone passing through this world, passing through this life, leaves something behind and takes something with them. There's my question for you this morning. What are you leaving behind? Who are you investing in? Whose life is being changed because you're leaving a deposit there? And when you do that, what you take with you when you leave is the commendation that Jesus gave in one of his parables Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. So Paul wrote to the Galatian church, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Would you bow your heads with me? So as I said, we're letting out about 15 minutes early today. And, and we're going to give you an opportunity not to just raise a hand. We're going to ask you to take some time and walk through the lobby and find a place where you can serve. Just find something that says, you know, I think I might be able to help in this area. Whether it's children's areas, student ministry, um, worship, arts, hospitality, whatever it might be. But stop by the different tables and talk with someone there and find out what that would look like for you. And then sign up and make a commitment to do that. And then when somebody calls you, show up and see what God will do through you. Now, if you're here today, I'm not a Christ follower, I know. Today I've been mostly speaking to those who have already made that decision. And if you haven't yet, um, but you've come to realize that your life is really not the way it was supposed to be, that you're missing that sense of purpose and meaning, For you, it might be a very first step of faith. 
which just simply comes to Christ and says, Lord, here I am. This is my life with its mistakes, with its failures, with, with all of my bad decisions, with all of my sin. And, and I need that grace. I need that mercy. I need to start there. So would you forgive me and give me this life? Because I want to follow you. Now, if you've never done that before, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask you to do something real simple. Just raise your hand, but as you do, look up and catch my eye because I want to acknowledge you and lead you in a quick prayer as we close. Just saying, God, I'm trying, tired of trying to live this life on my own. I am giving my life to you today. Raise a hand, hold it up, catch my eye. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, good. So I'm going to ask you to just make this your prayer as we close. Lord, here I am with my faults and failures, with my bad decisions, my mistakes. God, I wish I had made this decision a long time ago, but today, today I'm bringing you my life and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Would you take me just the way that I am and let your mercy and your grace wash over me? I'm putting my life in your hands and I want to I follow you for the rest of my life. Teach me what that looks like, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Yeah.